Sweet Billy got picked on at school for things he couldn't change. He tried his best to play it cool, but in the seventh grade, you either fit right in or you don't fit. That's just the cold hard truth. I wish that I'd have been the friend that Billy never knew. I think it's time to come together. You and I can make a change. Maybe we can make a difference, make the world a better place. Look around and love somebody. We've been hateful long enough. Let the good Lord reunite us to this country that loves undivided. Yup. Top of the second hour of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast this Wednesday, February seventh, two thousand twenty-four. Um, as I said in the first hour, uh, I hear in the wind that uh, the troops are being mobilized. So that's interesting. You know, the kind of stuff that you don't hear on CNN kind of thing. And so I would expect an uptick in the wartime propaganda, you know, the the hearts and minds kind of stuff. Probably get into that. I want to get into the humanist stuff. There is a – this is all connected. Anyway, just to wrap up the kind of where I was in the first at the end of the first hour – the shift that Me Too took, the Me Too movement, which again, you know, Tarana Burke used the Me Too hashtag on MySpace in 2006. Then all of a sudden, after more than a decade, this thing catches fire. What happened? And, you know, along the way, uh, let's not forget uh, Andrew Breitbart's work you know um acorn stuff and there was there was a lot of other stuff going on the um the wikileaks stuff podesta stuff um you know comet ping pong pizza stuff that's not a thing it's not a thing well you know you spun it ben swan did the best video on it that disappeared Pretty much immediately, and then he along with it for a time. And he basically untwisted all of the the twists and lies and distortions and said, you know, it is weird that their logo looks exactly like this symbol that you see in the FBI, uh, you know, pedophilia dictionary, basically. These are the symbols that pedophiles use. Gosh, that... Pizza logo looks a lot like this symbol. And then they changed that. Crazy people saying that, you know, what's his name with all of his crazy posts about kids and things on social media. Ah, that's not weird. Yeah, what's wrong with you people? There is a thing, you know. Um, what's her name? Lady Gaga says that Mar- Marina Abramovic is, oh, she's so wonderful. She helped me, you know, she sent me out in the woods naked to chant, and now I'm a much better singer. And Microsoft, for their HoloLens product, featured Marina Abramovic. I'm sure, you know, it's just a, that and all of this humanist stuff, it's just a coincidence. Anyway, the Me Too stuff took a different turn in 2022 in the Johnny Depp Amber heard uh, hearings, proceedings, and Amber heard said what you would expect, you know, sets the clock back to a time when one could be publicly shamed and humiliated for speaking out and speaking up, sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously, so no more of that. So there was a moment where a window opened and then closed. Why Why do you suppose that is? And by the way, you realize that all these people are actors, right? All the people mentioned in this, you know, like the people that the – fa- the female celebrities that came out in support of Johnny Depp, 
None of this goes anywhere until celebrities get involved. And then when celebrities say, okay, that's enough, then all of a sudden, what happened to the Me Too thing? I guess we've vanquished sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and rape culture. It's vanquished. I mean, after all, Jeffrey Epstein's dead, right? So, Because he killed himself, wink, wink. What was the Jessica Lynch story? As we head, it seems, into war. Again, you know, featuring Pentagon spokesman Brian Whitman. Watch John Pilger's The War You Don't See. You can watch it on Vimeo for free. Featuring Pentagon spokesman Brian Whitman. We should play that bit they have it that John Pilger had at the end there. Um, again, the article that I mentioned earlier is informative on all of this stuff. Ironically, the um, World Socialist website, WSWS.org, BBC documentary exposes Pentagon lies staged rescue of private Jessica Lynch. That's very informative. Your research piece fleshes it out a little bit more. Um, James Corbett Steele. Uh, let's see. Before we get too f- too much further down the road, well, like I said, from the I'll, I'll just mention it again. It's worth mentioning again because of you know wartime propaganda, and we've just been in a state of perpetual war or total war. Really, is a better way to put it. You know, Clausewitz, we should all be reading Machiavelli and Clausewitz these days, maybe. Um, So from that piece, the World Socialist website, BBC documentary exposes Pentagon lies, the stage rescue of private Jessica Lynch. This was published back on May 23rd of 2003. It's been 20 years. Yeah, but, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So again, from this. Camp for the guy who produced the BBC, you know, who uh, the um, the BBC correspondent documentary, War Spin. The presenter, war correspondent John Camphor. The documentary was titled, subtitled, "Save Saving Private Jessica: Fact or Fiction." So from that article, Kampner suggested that the analogy with a Hollywood movie was not accidental. In 2001, Jerry Bruckheimer, producer of Black Hawk Down, and Bertram Van Munster, who was behind the U.S. reality show Cops, visited the Pentagon to suggest profiles from the front line. The patriotic primetime television show following U.S. forces in Afghanistan – to relay, quote, human stories told through the eyes of, of the soldiers. And again, there you want to cross-reference John Pilger on embedded journalists from the war you don't see. Van Munster told Kampfer, if you're a cheerleader of our point of view, the U.S., then these guys are really going out on a limb and risking their own lives. I feel like, you know, um, how a totalitarian state is actually formed, Jordan Peterson, that we have to probably throw in at some point. Maybe we'll do that. But uh, quickly before we do that, on this day in history, um, some interesting things. Interesting folks. Uh, John Deere, born on this day in 1804. Uh, Charles Dickens, who was an old school. You know, speaking of, I opened today's broadcast, those who who tell the stories, rule society. Dickens was an illuminized sort of fellow. Um, born in 1812. Chris Rock, 
Turns 59 today. Um, Thomas More was born on this day. Who in the heck is Thomas More in 1478? Um, very... You know, another one of those guys, let's say, but uh, you know, Spinoza, Swedenborg, um, utopian socialism, communitarianism, link back to Thomas More. Really? 1478? Yeah. Um, Christian humanism. Um, let's see. Okay. Now, interesting. I'll figure that out. Um, yeah, let's see. Multitasking is bad for radio. Q, uh, Brubeck's take five. Just kidding. It's in my head. Zombie. Okay. Let me fix that real quick. Oh, it should be fixed. Yeah, there it goes. Okay. Fixed. Uh... So speaking of Thomas More, born on this day in 1478, and all this other stuff, let's see, Christian so Christian humanism, he's listed there at the top of the page. I'm looking at um, the desktop version of these things. So Christian humanism, blah, 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 uh, Giovanni Marandola, Erasmus, who's another famous Desiderius Erasmus, uh, and then Thomas More. Oh, no, it's very religious. No, it's bad. <clears throat> it's religious, though. It's just satanic. Um, Christian humanism originated toward the end of the 15th century with the early work of figures such as Jacob Wimfling, John Collett and Thomas More, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's that. Communitarianism, let's see. More. The vision of practical, self-sustaining communities as described by Thomas More, Utopia, Tommaso Campanella, Civitas Solis, and practiced by Christian utopians, this is an oxymoron, Jesuit reduction, and utopian socialists like Charles Fourier and Robert Owen. It's the same old garbage. And, you know, if you want to talk communitarianism, let's go further. We'll go further backward and further forward. It's the humanist impulse. And by the way, it's it's the – here's the uncomfortable reality. It's the foundation of our American, you know, revolutionary founding. Sorry, but that's the hard truth. Thomas More, Tyndale Bible. Let's see, Tyndale's – Translations were condemned in England by Catholic authorities where his work was banned and copies bought and burned. Catholics, uh, prominent, uh, Catholics prominently layman Thomas More charged that he had purposely mistranslated the ancient texts in order to promote anti-clericalism and heretical views. Well, that's funny because... Tyndale's work was used for all of the authorized versions shortly after Tyndale was burned at the stake as a heretic. So what do you make of that? Of course, they changed a few things, wink, wink. 
And uh, let's see, utopian socialism. Um, <clears throat> I think Thomas More is is in there somewhere. I don't recall exactly where, but you know, you have to usually you have to expand all to find all of the intriguers. Yeah, so concepts, people. 16th century, Tommaso Campanella, Thomas More. There you go. Instrumental in utopian socialism. They keep changing the words, the terms, but it's the same old stupid nonsense. So Thomas More is a, you know, guy instrumental in our own history and, you know, the wicker man future we inevitably seem to be, you know, hurtling toward. So let's see, Thomas Moore, John Deere, Charles Dickens, Chris Rock, um, Troil Garth Brooks, born on this day in 1962, so he's 62, right? Born in 62, 62. Christopher Ashton Kutcher, also born on this day in 1978. The Beatles came to America on this day in 1964, arrive on their first visit to the United States Thousands of fans greet them at Kennedy Kennedy Airport in New York in what can only be described as Beatlemania. Where did Beatlemania come from? Oh, yeah. Over to James Perloff. James Perloff has a post published July 28th of last year uh, titled, Hey, Hey, We're the Beatles. Well, wait a minute. That's a monkey's reference, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you got to read the article, too. Anyway, a little bit from that. It's a guest post by Patrick O'Carroll. Note from James Perloff. I'll just give you the note real quick. And also, James was uh, interviewed 10 years ago. Interview 925, James Perloff on Truth is a Lonely Warrior. This was uh, uh, James Corbett's interview of James Perloff. That story's in there as well. Anyway, so from the from James Perloff's post, Hey, Hey, We're the Beatles, note from James Perloff, when I was a freshman at Colby College, 1969 to 70, a friend of mine, a, a friend in my dorm called me to his room. He had a lot of sound equipment. He played one of the Beatles albums backward. You could pretty distinctly hear a voice repeating, Paul is dead. This was something of a rumor in those days. But we had no way to check into it, no internet then. In my 2013 book, Truth is a Lonely Warrior, I briefly wrote, based mostly on Dr. John Coleman's work, about the Beatles having most of their music written for them by the Tavistock Institute and how so many of the screaming girls, quote-unquote, had been hired. And, and uh, James Perloff has fleshed that story out. Anyway, then about two weeks ago, he writes, my friend Patrick O'Carroll sent me an email drawing largely on the work of Mike Williams. It fleshed out many details of how the Beatles were orchestrated and affirmed the 1966 death of the original Paul McCartney. I thought it was significant and asked Patrick if I could publish it uh, as a guest post. For younger readers who might not get the title of Patrick's post, it lampoons the song Hey Hey Were the Monkeys. The Monkeys were an artificially created rock band who were notorious for neither writing their songs nor playing their instruments on their pop hits. Patrick can be reached at et cetera, et cetera. You can read the article, Mike Williams website. And uh, for those who would like to see how things were comparably falsified in the American music scene during the sixties and seventies, I recommend weird scenes inside the Canyon by the late, great Dave McGowan. It's a short trip from this discussion to Dave McGowan, all roads lead to Dave McGowan in this conversation, which is why he had to hurry up and get cancer real quick and die. Who demonstrated the orchestrated uh, success of many bands and their surprising connections to U.S. military and intelligence services. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family. And we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. facts of history let's just sort of wrap that up um on this day stuff uh on this day in 1783 speaking of the american revolutionary war french and spanish forces lifted the great siege of gibraltar the 11th amendment was ratified in 1795 um in 1898 the dreyfus affair emile zola was brought to trial for libel. The Second Boer War, British troops fail in their third attempt to lift the siege of Lady Smith in 1900. A lot of interesting little things. Uh, 1995, Ramsey Yusuf, the mastermind of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, wink, wink is arrested in Islamabad, Pakistan. On this day, Prince Abdullah, in 1999, becomes the King of Jordan. 
on the death of his father, King Hussein. And, uh, which reminds me, um, who's the other guy? Well, that was, yeah, he was, uh, King Hussein of Jordan died on this day in 99, obviously. Other folks born I've and died on this day. I mentioned a few, but you know, again, John Deere, that John Deere, the founder of Deere and Company, Charles Dickens, Illuminized Intriguer, who tells the stories and rules society through the stories. Um, Sinclair Lewis was born on this day also. Joseph Algernon Pierce. Um, who else was I thinking of? A number of celebrities, <clears throat> like I said, Garth Brooks, Troyal Garth Brooks, who just, I don't know, whatever. David Bryan, another performer, Eddie Izzard, Chris Rock, Christopher Julius Rock, and... um Ashton Kutcher. Names that people know. Anyway. I'd probably wrap it up. Elihu Root uh, died on this day. There's another figure, notable figure. Um, Harvey Samuel Firestone the founder of the Firestone Tire Company. Joseph Mengele died on this day in 1979. The Angel of Death. And then we brought that death here. We re-imported it. So congratulations. John C. Whitehead Died on the stand in 2015. Um, 2001, Anne Morrow Lindbergh died on this day. She was the aviatrix, they call her, wife of Charles Lindbergh. Interesting stories there. Billy Casper, the golfer, died on the stand in 2015. Albert Finney died on the stand in 2019. Um... Jan Osluski also died on the stay in 2019. Um, and, you know, speaking of Black History Month and some of the other stuff that I talked about earlier, isn't it National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day? Which is weird. What are all of these kinds of crazy things? <laughs> in in America, anyway, what kind of nonsense is that? I think it's ridiculous. Everyone, you know, so what are we going to do? You know, are we going to, everyone's a martyr and a victim and you're so insensitive. I know. It's terrible. I just think, you know, the reason for my disdain is not for the people, it's for the manipulation. So... Don't get it twisted. Anyway, stick around. We'll be right back. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk real people because you can handle the truth 
Health Simple with Colorado Shilaji. Fact bit number one. What goes in must come out. Whatever we ingest, breathe in, or transfer by contact must be expelled. Expelled directly as burned calories through perspiration, respiration, or expelled via urinary and gastric channels. Every element that is not properly used or removed by our bodies become toxin. And toxins as are causal to every disease and ailment. Toxins are what makes us subpar. Unable to be our best. Be your healthy best by cleansing your body of daily, deeply embedded toxins. Live stronger, and we hope live longer. Legit Shiuji, like Colorado Shiuji, is perhaps the greatest homeopathic whole body remover of toxins made by Mother Earth. Our health is our only true wealth. Get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. Colorado Shiuji, hand harvest, raw process, and packaged in the heart of the Rocky. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? Our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease-off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Kilad Atzman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race, and the fact that race drives history, and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQRS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, I don't know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Dr. Peter McCullough has a, uh, what was it, a Real America's Voice interview. Disease X is a countermeasure business plan. Speaking of big business, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough joined Miranda Kahn, Tara Dahl, and Carolyn Ryan on Real America's Voice special report January 30, 2024 to discuss the World Economic Forum and World Health Organization Disease X planning efforts, uh, development of disease X. Theoretically, a more contagious and lethal illness than COVID-19 is uh, a business plan by the biopharmaceutical complex to rake in more profits on countermeasures, testing, PPE, therapeutics, vaccines. And I would say, you know, more importantly, to get rid of a bunch more people and, you know, basically fleece them in the process. Uh, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness in, and Innovation, CEPI, remember that was, you know, is vaccine incubator uh, formed largely by the Gates Foundation and WEF to respond 
with vaccines to disease X or another new threat, disease X. X is an interesting reference. It is notable that CEPI's business plan never mentions therapeutics, which, by the way, is, you know, the gene therapy stuff altering your DNA, but not really, but, but it does, but it doesn't, but it does. It is a vaccine-only pandemic response model. So when you hear about disease X, think more government repurchased novel vaccines. It's interesting. Um, usually the stuff goes away. I mean, I think of like the 2009 H1N1 shenanigans. Usually it goes away. COVID stuck. This one is different. So uh, that's worth a read. Peter McCullough's deal there. Also, there are a couple other things. Um uh, what was that? <clears throat> Bailiwick News. Everybody's on Substack these days. Bailiwick News had uh, this post. Um, where is that? Yeah. Um, Bailiwick News read aloud Malcolm Muggeridge on Humanae Vitae, July 1978. No, my dog was running around during the last 10 minutes of the recording, etc., etc. Anyway, here are the documents. July 1968, Pope Paul VI, Humanae Vitae, 1973, Colin Clark, The Myth of Overpopulation, 78, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, A World Split Apart. Have you listened to that, by the way? Over at the um, Harvard University Solzhenitsyn Center, Alexander Solzhenitsyn Center. You can watch it on YouTube. <clears throat> it's only been viewed 318,000 times, published 10 years ago, and actually originally long before that, but it's on YouTube. And last but not, not least, July 1978, Malcolm Muggeridge on Humanae Vitae. That's interesting. And also, this thing that I'm going to attempt to read in these final moments here, um, from Cynthia Chung, published actually back on Halloween, October 31st, 2022, republished uh, a 70-year war on propaganda built by the CIA. So from this, you know, uh, she quotes William Shakespeare, The Tempest, Act 1, Scene 2, Hell is empty and all the devils are here. Is that a reference to the Theosophical Lucius Trust deal where they're, you know, a rent in the space-time continuum? Speaking of the World War One truce and what happened as a result of all the noise and stuff. Anyway, from this, I'll go through the humanist stuff tomorrow. I'm going to unpack the humanist stuff, I think, for the rest of the week. Uh, what is humanism? And then from there, you know, that's the Fred Edwards thing that I mentioned yesterday. But in that, <clears throat> you read, humanism's his historic advocacy of the secular state makes it another voice in the defense of church-state separation. Cease, and, and so my note says, uh, see Stephen Nadler's Spinoza Jefferson and the Separation of Church and State. Stephen Nadler's written extensively on this stuff and then there's another thing that's real interesting humanist perspectives in religious education what the heck is that you can find that over at the uh, humanists website as well and there's some crazy stuff in there but I'll unpack that stuff tomorrow and Friday probably but for today this thing from Cynthia Chung a 70-year war on propaganda. Speaking of managing perception and, you know, hearts and minds and PSYOP MISO. And we can't, you know, Operation Earnest Voice, the Smith-Munt Modernization Act 2012. How can we possibly prevent stuff when we have these social media platforms that are worldwide? How can we prevent, you know, foreign propaganda from bouncing back? We just can't, you know, we can't help it. So the the uh, Cynthia Chung's post features Big Brother, you know, and uh, 
that image. Um, war has always depended on a reliable system to spread its propaganda. The Atha Shastra, written by Shankya in 350 to 283 BC, I'm just going to say BC, I don't recognize the BCE nonsense, uh, who was chief advisor to the emperor Chandragupta, Gupta, uh, the first ruler of the Mauryan Empire, discusses propaganda and how to disperse and apply it in warfare. It is one of the oldest accounts of the essentialism of propaganda and warfare. And so I ask, you know, if the propaganda never ends, one must wonder about the state of war or warfare and who is the actual enemy, quote unquote. Propaganda is vital in times of war because it is absolutely imperative that the people who often need to make the greatest sacrifices and suffer the most believe that such a war is justified and that such a war will provide them security. To the degree that they believe this to be true, the greater the degree of sacrifice and suffering they are willing to submit themselves for said promised security. This is written from a derisive perspective, by the way, not a CFR foreign policy expert senior fellow perspective. It is crucial that when people look at the enemy, quote unquote, they see something subhuman. For if they recognize that the enemy, said enemy, quote unquote, has in fact humanity, the jig is up, so to speak. And thus we are bombarded day after day, hour after hour of reminders as to why the enemy is not like is not human like us, not compassionate like us, not patient, just and wise like us. A friend who was sharing with me the, you know, mobilizing of troops that's not, you know, below the CNN line as um, what's his name would say. Um, oh, I forget his name now. It escapes me. He was also saying, you know, that he was listening to uh, some Russian folks being interviewed about, uh, do you know Tucker, who Tucker Carlson is? And they were very articulate. One wonders, you know, how much of that is a psyop as well. But um, it's intriguing. You know, he said their their answers were very articulate and nuanced, not blunted, and so on. Anyway, continuing, no doubt war has been a necessary response when tyranny has formed an army to fight for its cause. But I would put forth, Cynthia Chung writes, that most wars have been rather unnecessary and downright manipulated for the design of a small group of people. During World War One. On December 25th, 1914, something rather unexpected occurred and a series of widespread unofficial ceasefires along the Western Front took place between the French-British soldiers and the German soldiers. Some even ventured into no man's land, quote-unquote, given its name since none left it alive, to mingle with the enemy, quote-unquote, and exchange food and souvenirs. There were joint burial ceremonies and prisoner swaps. A game of football took place as well. It is said that these truces were not unique to the Christmas period, but that they were much more widespread during the holiday season. These fraternizations would understandably make it quite difficult to return to combat against one another for no apparent for no apparently good reason. Some units needed to be relocated since they had developed friendships with the opposing side and now refused to fight them. The lesson was quickly learned and propaganda was heavily pumped down the throats of the allied countries. Here I would inter, interject, you know, parenthetically insert, um, it wasn't just the allies. See Sam Keen's book, Faces of the Enemy. And by, the court, and by the course of just a few years, they no longer viewed the Germans as human and vice versa. 
for us to understand the implications of modern propaganda and how it is used in warfare today. Our story starts post-World War II with Churchill's announcement of the Iron Curtain, quote-unquote, which launched the Cold War and has kept the East and West divided to this day. Quickly after the Cold War was announced by Churchill, it was necessary to create a fervor of fear and paranoia amongst the American people in order to have them quickly forget the fact that the Russians were their greatest allies during World War I and World War II, and to replace it with the image of a ghoulish race of boogeymen. If Americans were to remember that the Russians had fought valiantly during World War II and had paid by far the largest sacrifice to the cause, that they had in fact been their comrades in arms against the brutality of fascism, if this were remembered, then the Cold War division could never occur. And that was something that could not be tolerated by Churchill and the Empire. Thus, terror was unleashed on the American people and McCarthyism was given precedence over the people's right to question and form conclusions for themselves. That sort of thing could not be tolerated when the enemy could be anywhere. You know, the invisible enemy. Didn't Donald Trump speak about an invisible enemy? They could be your neighbor, your child's teacher, your coworker, your partner. In order to combat the threat of Soviet propaganda entering the U.S., and I ask, how is that possible? We've heard that recently, you know. Soviet propaganda is everywhere on social media. Really? Really? Think about it for a second. Come on. So you can shut down entire Facebook accounts and YouTube accounts and stuff, but you can't stop. You know, come on. Think about it. Let me just put it this way real quick, simply. Um, eh, you know, there are a variety of ways. I mean, you can you can use, you know, there are a variety of means. I'll just, I'll put it that way, that you can uh shut out a large amount of that kind of nonsense very quickly technologically speaking it's not it's not too difficult especially if you have the kind of tools you know at the disposal of the intelligence community so Uh, continuing, in order to combat the threat of Soviet propaganda entering the U.S. and seducing Americans, Operation Mockingbird was created as a form of control over information dissemination during the period of McCarthyism. Operation Mockingbird was an alleged CIA program that was started in the early 1950s in order to control the narrative of the news. Though this role has never been confirmed entirely, in the CIA Family Jewels report compiled in the mid-1970s, it was confirmed that Project Mockingbird did exist as a CIA operation and that it was guilty of wiretapping journalists in Washington. At the helm of this project was none other than CIA Director Alan Dulles, an enemy of JFK who, by the early 1950s, allegedly oversaw the media network and had major influence over 25 newspapers and wire agencies. Its function was to have the CIA write reports that would be used by a network of cooperating, credible reporters. By these credible reporters spreading the CIA-dictated narrative, it would be parroted by unwitting reporters, mockingbirds, as a successful echo chamber would be created across the world. The Office of Policy Coordination, OPC, originally named Office of Special Projects, uh, but that was thought to be, uh, that was thought too conspicuous, was a covert operation wing of the CIA and was created by the United States National Security Council, NSC. For those who are unfamiliar with the origins of the NSC, and its close relationship with the CIA, who was born on the same day, refer to my paper, she says, on the subject. 
which is linked to the strategic culture article uh, Secret Wars Forgotten Betrayals Global Tyranny Who is Really in Charge of the U.S. Military and again you know this is important history in the conversation about you know all the propaganda the Jessica Lynch stuff the Pat Tillman stuff everything you know the reflecting over the last 25 years sending Junior off to war well, we're not at war. Uh, okay. I digress. Continuing, according to Deborah Davis' biography of Catherine Graham, the owner of the Washington Post, the OPC created Operation Mockingbird in response to the addressing in response to addressing Soviet propaganda, included and included as part of the of its CIA contingency, respected members of the Washington Post, New York Times. Newsweek, CBS, and others. Let's let's not forget, you know, that this goes back further. I mean, Henry Luce was a skull and bonesman. Time Magazine, Henry Luce, and you know, on and on. Anyway, the Family Jewels reported. Uh, excuse me, the Family Jewels report was an investigation made by the CIA to investigate the CIA. Remember the administrative fourth branch. Spurred in response to the Watergate scandal and the CIA's unconstitutional role in the whole affair, the investigation of the CIA would include any other actions that were deemed illegal or inappropriate spanning from the 1950s uh, to mid-1970s. We are told most of the report was declassified on June 25, 2007, 30 years later, hoping that people would have lost interest in the whole Bruhaha. Along the release, along with the release of the redacted report, was included a six-page summary with the following introduction: The Central Intelligence Agency violated its charter for 25 years until revelations of illegal wiretapping, domestic surveillance, assassination plots, plots, and human experimentation led to official investigations and reforms in the 1970s. The most extensive investigation of the CIA relations with news media was conducted by the Church Committee, a U.S. Senate Select Committee in 1975 that investigated the abuses committed by the CIA, NSA, FBI, and IRS. The Church Committee reported, uh, Church Committee report confirmed abundant CIA ties in both foreign and domestic news media. It is very useful that there exists an official recognition that false news was not only being encouraged by the CIA under the overseeing of the NSC during the Cold War period, but that the CIA was complicit in actually detailing the specific narrative that they wanted disseminated and often going so far as to write the narrative and have a credible reporter's name stamped on it. But the question begs, did the Cold War ever end? And if not, why should we believe that the CIA's involvement in such activities is buried in the past and that it has reformed its old ways? In order to answer this question, let us visit the sad case of Udo Ufkot. Udo Ufkot is a well-known German journalist and author of numerous books. He worked for 25 years as a journalist, 17 of which were for Frankfurt, Algemeine, Zeitung, FAZ, including his role as editor. In his 2014 book, Journalists for Hire, How the CIA Buys News, Ulfcote goes over how the CIA, along with German intelligence, BND, were guilty of bribing journalists to write articles that either spun the truth or were complete completely fictitious, Jessica Lynch, etc., etc., in order to promote a pro-Western, pro-NATO bent. And that he was one of those bot journalists. In an interview, Ulfcote describes how he finally built up the nerve to publish the book after years of it collecting dust in response to the erupting crisis in Ukraine, stating, I felt that 
the right time had come to finish it and publish it because I am deeply worried about the Ukraine crisis and the possible devastating consequences for all of Europe and all of us. I am not at all pro-Russia, but it is clear that many journalists blindly follow and publish whatever the NATO press uh, uh, office provides. And this type of information and reports are completely one-sided. In another interview, Ulfcote stated, It is clear as daylight that the, the agents of various services, capital S, were in the central offices of the FAZ, the place where I worked for 17 years. The articles appeared under my name several times, but they were not my intellectual product. I was once a I was once approached by someone from German intelligence in the CIA who told me that I should write about Gaddafi and report how he was trying to secretly build a chemical weapons factory in Libya. I had no information on this, but they showed me various documents. I had, I had to just put my name on the article. Do you think this can be called journalism? I don't think so. Ofcote has publicly stated, I am ashamed of it. The people I worked for knew from the get-go everything I did, and the truth must come out. It's not just about FAZ. This is the whole system that's corrupt all the way. Guess what? Udo Ofcote has since passed away. He died January 2017, found dead in his home. It is said by a heart attack. His body was quickly after cremated and thus prevented any possibility of an autopsy occurring. There's more, but I think I'll break there. We're about out of time. I'll probably wrap that up tomorrow. There's a little bit left. Speaking of managed perception, because this humanist bent is everywhere. It's all around us. People don't notice. Are you a secular humanist or are you a religious humanist? Well, the truth is, modern humanism has a dual origin, both secular and religious, and these constituted subcategories, and the history is that the dispute over the difference uh began at the 20th century when secular and religious traditions converged and brought modern humanism into existence. But that's a story for tomorrow and Friday. I hope it was informative, perhaps even edifying. Please pray for one another and support the network. As always, it truly is an honor and a pleasure. Take care. God bless. We'll catch you on the other side. People who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.